You're listening to Cinema Spin. We're back for another episode of Cinema Spin. I'm Matt. I'm Jason. And we're here to give you the reviews of some of the latest films and also reviews chosen by the randomizer. Right. Reviews <laughs> from the past chosen at random by the almighty randomizer, the retro movie machine. Well said. My uh, my thoughts about the randomizer are that it's uh, becoming more and more sinister in nature lately, I feel. Uh, well, I think it is, it is what it is, uh, to, to quote a famous philosopher. Um, it is, uh, uh, I, I mean, you can view it in a couple ways. You can view it as selecting things totally at random for no reason, just the natural chaos of the universe, or you can approach that chaos trying to see some sort of pattern, trying to see some sort of wisdom, right? And so I think the randomizer itself becomes a metaphor for life. For the, the human attempt to make sense out of the swirling chaos of existence. Fair enough, but yeah. I, I feel like it's it's increasingly uh, torturous in its nature. Yeah, do we, I mean, maybe we should make a sacrifice. We, maybe we should Burn try to some sage it. or something. Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, would it be so hard to feed us like a heartwarming movie that remains with me in my heart for or the maybe, rest of my life? Or maybe a goat. Um, it seems like, uh, you know, I'm maybe, uncomfortable maybe like, sacrificing live animals. Okay. Live animals. No good. Okay. Um, well, we'll just, uh, maybe we'll just have to continue to be at its mercy. Got it out a few to, more weeks. We'll, we'll think about maybe we'll, we'll spitball some ideas to try to appease If it. summer comes and it stays at the same level, I, I don't know. Okay. I was close to, I don't know. I had some low points this week. <laughs> I think it's try it, it. It's best to try to see the good that comes out of because yeah, very often I shouldn't take it personally. Is what yes, you're saying. good comes out of bad things. I so shouldn't if, feel like the randomizer is trying to break me. N- no, 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 no. <laughs> it's it's trying. To, All right, well, it's I, trying to heal you. It's trying to make you wiser. I think that's fair enough. Uh, right. What okay. doesn't kill you makes you stronger. All right. Thanks. There you Let's go. Talk me off the ledge again. Okay. Good. 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 Okay. Um. Tonight, our first movie is. Uh, Brand new this week to HBO Max and theaters nationwide. You can't blame this one on the randomizer. No, no, that's true. <laughs> I should not not hold any sort of grudge toward the randomizer for this one. But this film is Godzilla vs. Kong, directed by Adam Wingard, who um, has a track record of mediocrity at best. He's directed some horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this movie is... Uh, not doesn't require a great amount of uh explanation it's uh there's some human characters in here of varying um importance <laughs> and they uh interact with each other <laughs> until scenes dictate that monsters fight <laughs> and then there might be a pause more scenes where human actors get together and talk to each other yammer 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 Little of which makes sense to me personally. Yes. And then there's more monsters fighting. Yes. And um, how did you feel about King Kong or Godzilla versus Kong? You know, this is the fourth entry in this uh, in, in, in this sort of uh, monster verse. Monster verse they've created. Started with uh, in 2014 with Godzilla. You know, which uh, had Brian Cranston among others. Um, I saw that one. Uh, I don't remember anything about that except disliking it. Um, I missed Godzilla King of Monsters. I feel like uh, reading the Wikipedia page on that movie, I feel like that set a lot of the uh, 
uh, backstory as far as that goes, as interesting as that is for a lot of the metaphysics of, of this movie that are explored in this movie. Um, this week I saw the Kong's, uh, Kong Skull Island. Um, again, a movie that I watched and immediately forgot. Um, I, I feel like uh, I, I didn't uh, learn anything. That's from that a bummer movie. because I was going to ask you if Kong was also hyper intelligent in that film as well. No, Kong didn't come off as particularly uh, uh, as much of a smarty pants in that uh, in that movie, right? So now now we have this. So uh, so uh, to put my cards on the table, I have and like a lot of people, I'm not unique in this. I from a very very young age uh, was a huge fan of the old monster movies of the Godzilla movies and the King Kong movies. And from a very, very young age, I learned, uh, you know, from watching, uh, you know, uh, 90 minute Godzilla movies on channel 11 here locally, you know, with commercials stretched out to two hours or more that, um, you know, these movies are going to be divided into two parts in a 90 minute movie. You're going to be lucky to get maybe about 10 or 15 minutes of actually, the good stuff, monster on monster action, or, you know, Godzilla versus buildings action, right? Um, and the rest of it was going to be a lot of meaningless yammering from from uh, human characters that uh, don't make any difference, right? So um, you have to judge all of these movies based on the kind of ratio that you get there, you know? Um, how annoying and pointless are the humans, um, and how awesome is the, is the fighting, right? Um... So, uh, what do we have here? Um, I think that uh, the good stuff is that uh, Godzilla vs. Kong delivers some pretty good monster fights. I particularly like the uh, initial fight. Uh, and it has the wisdom to give us an early sort of tussle. And by er- I used early sort of loosely because it's, it still takes like 40 minutes to arrive. It's a long right? way into the mil- movie, yeah. I mean that. Um, and so that's no good, but uh, but they have this tussle uh, around an aircraft carrier that's uh, that's that's pretty fun to watch. Um, then boy, we get this sort of extended subplot um, with uh, Millie Bo- Bobby Brown, Brian Tyree Hill, and uh, Julian Dennison. All of them funny actors, by the way, but uh, en- engaged in this uh, th- this really. Uh, soul-crushing uh, uh, subplot to uncover this guess-what conspiracy theory. There's an evil uh, corporation and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it reminds me of them sort of running around the Death Star, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's this super secure complex, but they're just sort of hiding, you know, in the shadows and pushing buttons. What I, what I think is particularly problematic in this, this movie is yeah. you're tying up several sort of sub- franchises within the franchise right you're tying in the kong with the godzilla mm-hmm. so you've got characters running around from both films right so not only are there human characters there's quite a few of them right. and multiple groups of them right and none of them are doing anything very interesting right because you also have kyle chandler who was in the godzilla yeah, and movies. poor right. Ky- I, that, I wrote down poor <laughs> kyle chandler right. they give him absolutely nothing to do in <laughs> right. this except for look worried in about three scenes <laughs> And I thought of you when he came on because I know you're a big uh, Friday Night Lights fan, <laughs> Lights fan and big Kyle, Ch- Kyle, Kyle I Chandler. I was like, oh. I'm like, oh, poor Kyle Chandler. He's capable of so much more. <laughs> Although so, at least this probably didn't take him a long time. I... Yeah, yeah. He probably was only on set a couple of days. Um, so, um, uh, 
Yeah, uh, the plot is uh, uh, largely pointless. Um, the big corp- guess what? The big corporation is bad. Um, Godzilla and King Kong end up fighting for uh, reasons that it, I guess is just a big misunderstanding. <laughs> um, I don't even they, they didn't have a reason to fight except they used to fight a lot. Apparently, yeah. Well, I mean, when, <laughs> yeah. at the beginning of the movie, when the hole is knocked in the dome that's that's protecting Kong, right. That right away, right. Well, he, well, Godzilla is going to come sense him, and right, they're going to fight. Yeah, and I, you know, okay, great. <laughs> they had established previously in, in previous movies we didn't see. I think that Godzilla has the sixth sense for for detecting other titans to come it, and then kick their asses. It, it'd be useful if he had a sixth sense for when a punch is coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. My issue with with this film is just uh, I did you know by the time it got to the third act and there was you know some some full scale destruction going on uh-huh. there's something to enjoy in that I mean I, yeah, I, I yeah. can admit that but there's there's a, a lot of lore and what I call gobbledygook going on in this movie yeah, yeah. and my tolerance for that as an adult is so low. you know I, yeah. I've I've said often that if I had to watch Star Wars as an adult for the first time and hear all that force stuff, yeah. it would no I would nowhere near be able to buy into it. Right. You know, it's just my childhood talking that I'm able to look past all that cuz I already know the lore, right? Yeah. Learning new lores for science fiction and fantasy movies is not something I'm going to do. Right, right, right. right. So, yeah. Very um, high bar for this thing to clear, but I actually thought I would enjoy it more than I did and I, I was I was pretty Yeah. Uh, Sort of disappointed. Pretty disappointed in it. Um, the scene, the 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 first battle scene, where they're on the ships. Uh-huh. I kept thinking about all the all, all the all the people on the ships that were dying. <laughs> I, I was like, you know, they right. There's like two thousand people on a, on a, on an aircraft carrier. Sure, and we're just gonna boom. cut that in half, right? And then at the end, they they basically level Hong Kong, right? Yeah. But uh, nobody seems to know. You know, <laughs> you 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 show people fleeing, and you're just like, oh well, I guess every you know, millions and millions of people managed to just run out of Hong they, Kong. Even before. in the ones where it was like the miniature city, they did a better job of like making you feel like there was a, a busy city getting destroyed. You know, uh-huh. it was always, you know, people fleeing and trucks driving away from the foot. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was thinking about that. And then um, for some reason in the modern day Navy, there's a battleship, <laughs> which those have been retired for what? <laughs> 40 years <laughs> oh, now, <come> you know? On. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny, I mean, not, not, not to get too, you know, film geeky here, but it's 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 really funny to think back on the original, uh, the original Godzilla movie uh, that, like, the whole point of that movie was that Tokyo was being leveled by this malevolent force, right? And all these people were dying. And every time he stepped on a building, that was another... You know, right. you know, two hundred people who were dying, and now we have you know he and in King Kong and uh, a third you know uh, so no spoilers a, a a third monster who will remain remain nameless are just body slamming each other <laughs> around the the skyscrapers of Hong Kong, and there's not even a thought given to <laughs> you know it's like the end of the Avengers it's like the Avengers right. you know, there's not even a thought given to the fact that hey. You know, aren't you know aren't aren't you know hundred story office buildings normally packed with people? Nah, yeah, there's a whole company where people just, just eating their lunch, right? And <laughs> a tail comes through, right? And, and just <laughs> it's over. Um, yeah, I think that it would be interesting to see a traditional Godzilla movie 
done in in a modern way. And I mean, like, let's put people in suits, but make them look as good as we can today by modern standards. Yeah. And actually build the city with modern, you know, uh, miniature techniques. Practical effects, yeah. Make them look as good as they can. And just, I mean, I think you'd still, obviously, you'd see it that yeah. it was a model, but I think yeah. it would be kind of neat. Yeah, it would be. Well, and, and I think this version. <laughs> it probably of, costs more than the CGI. This version of, of Godzilla um, looks like they've took some time to make him sort of bulky enough to kind of look like it might be a guy in a suit, you know? Yeah. Which I think is, they animated is sort of a, him, yeah, movements is, is, or something. Yeah, uh, is is uh, sort of an interesting uh, throwback, um, and I think the his head kind of looks like a turd, though. Now, I <laughs> I have to <laughs> I have to admit, uh, I I figured the only way I would uh, have any hope of kind of enjoying this movie was to see it on the big screen. So I, I actually went and saw an, an IMAX uh, yesterday, right? And um, uh, I didn't love the movie, so I'm not crazy about the money that I spent. But I think uh, I think if you're gonna get uh, if you're going to get your money's worth, so to speak, out of this movie, if you're going to enjoy this movie, that's the way to see it. I think I think so much of the uh, CGI effects come across so much better on the big screen and especially in IMAX. Because um, when I watched Kong, for instance, the other day, I, you know, I assume that's about the same kind of budget and the same kind of production. And the CGI on that just really, really bothered me the whole time. It looked fake. Um, and, and with this, the only, the only CGI aspects of this that ever, ever bothered me was, uh, sunsets. Like when they're, they're, uh, uh, have the, the ships going across the sea and the sun is setting. It looks fake. It looks, well, it's, yeah. Part of that is, you know, you can't achieve 4k resolution yeah. at the theater at this point. Yeah. It's very rare for most places don't have that. Yeah. So you're, you're not seeing it. It's when you're seeing it at home, you're seeing Full resolution, so uh, yeah, you know that that's going to show limitations of, of the effects at times. So yeah, the, the the major sort of a major subplot that in this and a major excursion uh, has them going into the Hollow Earth, right? And that's stupid. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, the Hollow Earth idea has been sort of introduced in, again in these previous movies, right? Um, but. So I don't mind. I mean, I'm not as as sort of opposed to it in principle as you are. But what I don't understand about the plot of this movie is why. So they have this big hole in Antarctica that is the entrance to the hollow earth. And for some reason, they need Kong to lead them into it. Right. (laughs) It's straight. (laughs) <laughs> well, they, you know, there's some sort of uh, uh, of energy force, some MacGuffin that they need inside, sure. you know, that's in the Hollow Earth, right? But for some reason, they need Kong to lead them in there. Why can't they just go in and kind of look around, you know, get a Geiger counter and kind of find what they're looking for themselves? Except because the script tells, you know, says we have to have Kong go in there. Too practical. <laughs> now, that said... Once they're in Hollow Earth, I kind of like the the physics of Hollow Earth, even though they're they're ridiculous. But it has a, a sort of a landscape um, uh, on top of a landscape, like like pages of a book, you know, where you can like look up, uh, and and the point of gravity is sort of uh, between the two landscapes. So if you look up, you see the peaks of other mountains kind of hanging down, and if you go up too high, then you fall up towards what seems to be the ceiling. <laughs> Right, um, which is kind of neat. It gives you know Seems there are like a couple th- moments that world would tear itself apart. Right, uh, it's also whatever. It's also 
you know, just showing my full geek uh, creds here. It's also a derivative of the uh, Twin Paradises from uh, the Dungeons and Dragons Manual of the Plains. <laughs> um, so, uh, but nonetheless, it was it's it's neat visually. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so there's that. You know, and then of course Kong is now hyper intelligent for some reason. Well, he learns sign language from the little girl. From the little from from the little deaf girl. That's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> because you hate deaf people? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Right. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Matt coming You're out against anti-deathite. Right. You also, hey, you also were not crazy about Sound of Metal, so I think there's a, uh, I think there's an. Attitude. I can say whatever the hell I want, but <laughs> evidence would dictate I have some, something against deaf people. Right. Um. I just feel like they got to find a way to get the human beings out of this thing. I don't know if they got to yeah. give the monsters the ability to talk. I don't care. Yeah. But just, just. Um, God, that's but that's always been a problem with these with and not just these this franchise every iteration of of these you know uh, of these monster movies it's all just maybe all they need to make problem. it simpler maybe the, the humans need to be more like the characters in a slasher film where they're just trying to sneak away to <laughs> yeah, have yeah. premarital sex right or... yeah, and then they get stomped on <laughs> a big foot comes yeah. down right they, they finally get that moment they're like in a van together for the first time and boom <laughs> and i was thinking about like... the, you know even a movie like Jurassic Park which is basically one of these movies you know, sure. one of these movies i mean one of the big complaint and legitimate complaints about Jurassic Park was that the characters you know they didn't really find a way to make the characters matter and that's fair because nobody shows up to see the characters. We just want to see big dinosaurs. Yeah, but at least on something the scale of Jurassic Park, the vic- the human characters are basically direct prey of the dinosaurs. That's true. That's true. You know, whereas they aren't totally irrelevant to the, right. The, right. The size of these beasts makes them. That's true. Such an they're that's ants, a, that's a, that's basically. A good, that's a good point. Yeah, Godzilla and King Kong aren't even aren't even <laughs> interested in people. No, right? No. Um, the uh, uh and, but, but again, though, I was thinking back also to the original 1931 King Kong, where which maybe of, of all the movies I've ever seen in sort of this this extended genre does the best with this because the original King Kong is really not at all interested in people. It's just it's just there. Right? I mean, right away you have Godzilla just. Or uh, King Kong just punching things, right? Besides Fay Ray, he takes well, them. right, and and she has one attribute that is that is appealing, right? She's uh, kind of a hottie, loud, right? <laughs> she knows how to, right, loud, and she knows how to scream, and so he wants her, right? Um, and he's willing to fight as many snakes as it takes to get her, right? So, um, and it's and easier airplanes. to be interested in a human when you can pick her up and hold her in your hand, as opposed to the humans are. Yeah, almost small enough to get stuck under your fingernail. Right. Yes, we've uh, <laughs> and let's let's pause to consider that. You know, the original King, you know, the 1931 King Kong was about 40 to 50 feet tall. Uh, Godzilla famously was more like 150 to 200 feet. So to ever get them to fight, you have to sort of make King Kong. We're fudging our monster math on some level. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and this has been a problem since the original Godzilla versus King Kong. <laughs> Right, so, uh, but now we've, yeah, but now we've gotten to the point where King Kong, they're, where they're both so big that they barely notice the people around them, and thus, so do we. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, 
you know, but if you're the kind of person who all you want to get is your fix of the fighting, you're mm-hmm. going to get it. You're just going to yeah. have to wait a little longer than maybe you want to. Yeah. But uh, it's there for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, the, the fight scenes do pay off pretty well. Um, yeah, I, I wish there were just more uh, about... There were, there were, I just wish there, there were, was more of a human element. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's just the, the central point. You know, monsters, mild thumbs up. <laughs> human characters, oh man. Oh no. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know there are like like we said we mentioned uh, Kyle Chandler we mentioned you mentioned a bunch of there's yeah. there's some good actors here yeah Brian Tyree Hill by the way uh, has a uh, has a, f- a few witty lines a few funny yeah. lines right and so does M- Millie Bobby Brown if nothing his character's like a you know oh the podcasting guy who's into conspiracy theory right you know, yeah, like, yeah yeah yeah. But at the very least, there's some witty banter that goes on there. And and by the way, and not to not to turn this into hating on on uh, on Skull Island, but watching Skull Island the other night, uh, boy, that movie. What that movie really lacks is any sort of witty banter at all. The dialogue in that movie is just absolutely. Expert. I can't remember which one of these, but one of these is fairly highly regarded as being the best one of the series. Well, I think it was I think it was uh it was Skull Island. I I, okay. I picked that one to watch because that one had the sort of uh, Which one has John Goodman in it? Uh that's Skull Island, yeah. Uh-huh. Are you sure? I th- yes. <laughs> well, yes, because I I remember saying to my wife, "Why is John Goodman in this movie?" <laughs> right. And then later on you find out why he's in the movie. Yeah. So, uh, but that that movie has dialogue that just sound f- feels like they just they wrote the script and just uh, didn't even bother with the dialogue. They're just like, okay, then somebody says something here, somebody says something <laughs> there, and didn't even have anybody to come in to sort of punch up the dialogue. And you know, you get Samuel, ja- you know, actors like Samuel Jackson and Brie Larson just delivering uh, just dialogue that's just totally interchangeable, totally expository, totally disgust, totally boring and uh really uh yeah not great but uh some funny moments from some funny character in contrast some funny character moments i think in in, in uh uh you know king uh, godzilla versus kong is this the uh end of this story now or is this gonna head somewhere else i guess i i mean are you serious <laughs> <laughs> well i mean um I I predict. I mean, I'm no Nostradamus, right? I have no insight into future events, but I would imagine yes, there's going to be uh, another. Uh, I thought another... maybe it was a quadrilogy, and that was that was it. Yeah, no, no, they're going to be making these movies uh, until they stop making money. So, all right, well, that's going to do it for Godzilla versus Kong. We're going to take a quick break and be back after this. Welcome back to Cinema Spin for our second review of the day. Here's Jason. Okay, so the ran- the almighty randomizer last week chose for us to watch uh, 1998's uh, Snake Eyes, uh, directed by Brian De Palma, Ugh. Starring, <laughs> starring Nicolas Cage, the one, the only Nicolas Cage, right? Uh, so this is, by the way, our first Nicolas Cage movie, right? And uh, I, I consider myself a bit of a... Of a, of a of a cageologist, a cage aficionado. So really? I'm surprised. Yes, did surprised. not know that. I'm surprised. I uh, I haven't 
Uh, I'm excited to get this this opportunity. Well, me too. Right. So, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, so the Snake Eyes is this sort of neo-noir uh, thriller. It takes place in Atlantic City over one night uh, during a boxing match that is apparently uh, the, like, boxing match of the century. Like, everybody who's anybody is at this boxing match, right? So Nicolas Cage plays a corrupt cop named Rick, San- Rick Santoro. Not Rick Santorum, <laughs> uh, former senator from Pennsylvania, uh, but Rick Santoro. This is before the, the era of Rick Santorum, but one more time, Rick Santoro. Um, and he is, let's just say, very, very excited to be here at this boxing match uh, in the opening scenes. <laughs> Working he, hard for he the money. Is, yes, uh, he is loving it, right? He's... Um, so, uh, so he's very excited. Um, he, the movie opens with him shaking down a low-level criminal uh, to get up the money to place a bet. Um, and uh, uh, Cage's character also runs into his old buddy, a Navy commander, um, who's attendant, who is in attendance at this boxing match as a bodyguard for the U.S. Secretary of Defense. I told you, everybody who's anybody is here, right? Um, and after some strange distractions, uh, said Secretary of Defense is assassinated. And it is up to Detective Santoro to untangle all of the many, many levels of conspiracy and corruptions that led up to the crime. Uh, now, um, just a bit of editorializing here. The movie opens with a 13-minute single-take tracking shot that follows character Cage's character around the arena, Bumping into people again, shaking people down, sort of establishing his character, um, uh, all, all, all most of which will turn out to be significant later, um, and establishing his character as a kind of Columbo on bath salts. Um, <laughs> he's he keeps asking people mundane questions that end up being clever, all, all the time sporting an energy level that we normally associate with a six-year-old at Chuck E. Cheese for the first time. He is just going bananas. He is full tilt, on, dialed to 11, obnoxious from the get-go. In yes, this thing. he is having the time of his life right away. Couldn't be more excited. It's like he did, yeah, like, like he, I think we actually are supposed to maybe think that he just did a huge bump. You know, a hu- bump, a huge line, maybe a whole bag of cocaine um, in preparation for uh, uh, for this evening. Right. Um, so um, anyway, so uh, and uh, on that note, he begins to untangle uh, the uh, boy, very, very complicated uh, machinations uh, at, at the heart of this uh, plot. So what did you think here, Matt? Yeah. I would very much like to have my hour and 45 minutes back. <laughs> this, uh, I find Nicolas Cage at this level very difficult to watch. Mm-hmm. It's as if he's come off this you know, Oscar-winning performance a few years earlier and directors just don't feel like they can tell him no. Is that what's going on here? Brian De Palma is a big name, especially yeah. back at this time still. Yeah. Um, I I get the impression this must be the performance that he's trying to get out of Nick. I guess. <laughs> I, I just find it very, very hard to watch. It's interesting that it doesn't... I mean, you can't maintain that energy level for the whole movie. Uh, usually. I mean, Nicolas Cage has in previous movies and uh, maintained that energy level. But 
if you're going to have a movie that's basically mainstream and watchable, uh, you can't maintain that energy level of the whole movie. And it's interesting how it comes and it goes. Like, for a lot of this, he's sort of, like, calmed down and sort of ask it, you know, sort of investigating. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's just all of a sudden all, <laughs> all cagey, right? And yelling at people and, and, and slavering, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just... It's such a contained film in that it all takes place in this area mm-hmm. that it just there's no break from him. He's just right. there in every scene. Right, yeah. And um you know, when we want to get rid of a certain character, the only way to do it is to lock him in a room, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I just thought that as grandiose as that opening shot may be, mm-hmm. it just the whole rest of the film feels small even though it's a big it's in a big place yeah it still feels like it's a it's a small story something a a crime of that scale is going to be perpetrated and solved in the same building i mean that's kind of crazy right and they make it clear at the beginning they're gonna lock down the arena and i guess keep you know thousands and thousands of people from leaving oh absolutely In, in the middle of a Hurricane, they don't want to call a hurricane. Right, a hur- right. They're right to add on to to increase the stakes even more. There's a hurricane coming, right? Um, for no real reason that never really comes into play. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think so. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of Nicolas Cage performances of <laughs> varying degrees of crazy. Um, I think the problem with this one is that he never seems to be he doesn't really seem to be interacting with any of the other actors. He always seems to be kind of waiting to talk. He doesn't seem to be like playing <laughs> off of, of their energy level or their dialogue. He, it, it, it's like, they'll say something to him and he'll just, Bleh! you know? Um, and so it comes off as, as quite amateurish and, and sort of over, overcooked, you know? And Gary Sinise sucks in this too. He, uh, <laughs> he's working hard too. He's working hard too, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's as if these two just came from the Wingshauser School of Acting Subtlety. Yeah. Wingshauser taught me everything I know right. about <laughs> acting, and it all comes down to this. But it does. It did make me wonder. I mean, given given the sort of technical virtuosity of that uh, of, of the beginning and of, out of Brian De Palma at his best Brian De Palma is capable of uh you know he uh, he much in in the way he's kind of the the director to uh to to Cage's actor in terms of like De Palma can either be there's good De Palma and then there is blow the top of your head off De Palma go absolutely nuts <laughs> um, and I think that um, he demonstrates some virtuosity in the beginning of this movie that makes me wonder if if he had had another actor besides Cage in this role if maybe they might have been able to sort of make something um, maybe um, the larger problem though was would you like to see Cage in Kevin yeah. Costner's role in The Untouchables. <laughs> no, that's a different film. Than no. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, there's a problem though with a major problem with the plot of this movie. I mean, just kind of who cares? Um, there's never. Uh, so this is established as again sort of this noirish kind of thriller, but it's never quite clear what they're after. Um, Cage wants to solve the crime, but 
the crime is sort of solved about halfway through the movie. And then the sort of focus changes to protect this witness who we don't really care about. Yeah. Right. They haven't, they've given us no reason to care about. Um, and you know, there are some uh, elements in this movie that, that are, are a little Hitchcock esque, you know, like the, you know, like a, it's sort of a, like the, it's, Start, it's a sort of espionage thriller at times. You know, there's some, there's secret documents or there's a secret. Yeah, it wants to be North by Northwest. Yeah, <laughs> there's some secret things at stake for this director of, uh, of, 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 you know, the Secretary of Defense or whatever. But what the, what then is missing is any sort of like tangible sort of MacGuffin that we're after. We're not after any sort of secret plans. We're not after anything that could, you know, uh, any sort of microfilm that could uh, change anything. It's just. Um, it, you know, it's just she said this thing to the to, to the Secretary of Defense. He was killed. Now she's the only witness left, so we have to hide her in a broom closet or whatever before Gary Sinise <laughs> gets to her, right? Um, so that yeah, so so what is trying to be accomplished in this movie is is a little more comp, uh, definitely more complicated than it needs to be. Um, so um, <laughs> there's a throwaway line in here, but. Nicholas Cage's character, he's still wearing his high school ring, and there's like a throwaway line about it. And I thought, and I wrote down, "What grown ass man wears his high school <laughs> ring?" Yeah, yeah. Joshin's promised we would be wearing those rings forever. <laughs> they remember, did, right? They did. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there are times where this movie seems maybe aware of its own silliness. Uh, so John, uh, John Hurd plays the sort of big bad here. He is the uh, the, the political uh, uh, sort of motivator behind all of this and, and the guy who stands to benefit from this, right? Um, and the, he's a corrupt official behind the assassination. And he delivers at one point a political speech in front of a camera in which he addresses disappointed boxing fans and citizens of the U.S. who fear terrorism, <laughs> right? Uh, it, sort of in the same breath that the this new missile system is going to make them all happy, right? You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. That and it reminded me in that he reminded me in that moment of FDR, you know, in oh, the fireside a- chat, right? Yeah, it's, you know, whether you're disappointed about tonight because we didn't have a clear the, winner, or you're you're afraid all of all the poise and dignity of a fireside chat, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> this new missile system that in no way has been uh, completed in a very shady way uh, will be the answer to all your I problems. liked how at one point they want to check the camera from the indoor flying blimp, which has the on-the-nose name of the zero-gravity flying eye. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to call this thing? Right. Well, it sees everything. Right. And it's sort of a major revelation when that matters, because you're sort of seeing it the whole time. And... Yeah, I mean, don't you have? I mean, it's a it's a boxing event. Don't you have, like, not only for security, per, and it's before nine eleven, so obviously maybe you don't have, you know, uh, you're not so terribly concerned about security, but you want to have every possible angle. Yeah, you've got at least four, five, six cameras. Right. Yeah. Right. And as it turns out, that yeah, that that, that blimp isn't just floating across the audience for no reason. Right. <laughs> um. So I wrote um, down a line in the movie. You ever listen to a man drowning? They don't die quietly. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say, so, okay. So most of this movie, I was sort of bored, but I wasn't angry, right? Until the very end scene, okay? The end scene made now, me Now, do you mean the scene with the uh, 
You mean the very the very end scene? Mm-hmm. Well, towards the end, yeah. Oh, okay, I, the you climax. Mean you... Okay. Okay. Because what happens is the hurricane comes um, from the top of whatever stadium they are. This giant ball falls off the top, right? Um, it's like the top of the world, top of the world mob ball, you know. Yeah. It's this giant, like you know, uh, uh, twenty by twenty, you know, this big twenty foot sphere, right? And there's this rather sort of amusing scene where they're doing a a, a, a radio a TV interview in the foreground. And as the wind picks up, this ball begins to roll. Yeah, it starts right? to gain momentum. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, meanwhile, uh, 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 Gary uh, Gary Sinise is chasing uh, 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 Nick Cage uh, through the the bowels of the uh, the arena, right? And they're shooting at each other or whatever. And right? let's mention that during this, yeah, Nick Cage has been pummeled to almost near death. So right, he's yeah, stumbling, he's tortured, overacting, right. stumbling, bumbling, rumbling. Right, and so. I say at this point, is there any chance that that giant giant rolling ball isn't going to kill Gary Sinise, right? (laughs) And and so I'm sitting, I move to the edge of my seat, and no, it doesn't. They do nothing with the fucking ball. They do nothing with the fucking ball. And it's at that point that I would have demanded my money back, (laughs) right? I mean, it's right there. It's right there. That makes you believe that there's a cut where the ball... There Certainly there is an alternate <laughs> ending where the ball crushed Gary Sinise. It had to be. Um, and uh, somehow that didn't... It's pl- so telegraphed and then it just does not Maybe that occur. didn't play well with early with test audiences or People something. People don't want to see Uncle... I mean, uh, Lieutenant Dan impaled by a <laughs> giant ball. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan crushed <laughs> by a ball. Um, but, uh, but then again, I mean, he just... Otherwise, he just like gets surrounded by cops and kill you know spoiler alert, k- kills himself by I shooting mean, himself in the chest. Which yeah, is weird. how could that have tested whoever does test that? Audiences, right? I mean, yeah, right. So, not cinematic. He oddly shoots himself in the chest. Yes, at a weird angle, it just doesn't look right. Right. It, it made me wonder if maybe that they CGI it or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it made me wonder if maybe there was going to turn out to be like he had been like sh- uh, assassinated by somebody else. Like they they were going to like you know, cut back and like ah well maybe that was awkwardly recut or something because it didn't look right. Yeah. But um, yes, I just don't understand. And then we cut to a later time where Cage's character is being given an award, right at the end. Yeah, well, I, and I, I thought that was kind of a, uh, I was kind of into that because then the, there was this montage at the end where uh, he is the hero cop for all of this for what exactly I guess solving because <laughs> it's not even clear that he solved this crime exactly right he, right he's but in then, the right place at the right time right but then uh, he, he's the hero cop he's a you know he's very well known and as all hero cops in movies then he's rich all of a sudden you know <laughs> right. But then the mon- montage goes on to show his fall for, from grace because this exposes his corruption and everything. And so that they that becomes part of the montage and he's sneaking out the back of his house while the press surrounds him and everything. So, yeah, so. I thought that was kind of amusing. He got his comeuppance, so to Yeah, speak. he gets a comeuppance. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Which I guess somebody was rooting for that to happen too. I don't know. Uh, I guess. So, um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I, this is Drek. Yes, yes. This Unfortunately, is... it's Drek with some people attached to it that, in the right situation, can do some pretty good things. And it it, it just seems like yeah, it's a it seems like the kind of movie where they uh, they just had sort of a basic outline and they got together and they thought maybe it was going to come together while they were filming or maybe editing or whatever. And 
um, it just sort of went nowhere. I mean, not only does uh, uh, you know Brian De Palma direct this, but David Kep uh, wrote it, and he's a really famous screenwriter. He, yeah, he's he, got um, his hands in a lot of things. Uh, yeah, well, he actually wrote you know, Call Back to Jurassic Park. Um, I think he even won Spider a... Spider Man with the, one of the Raimi's. Oh yeah, um, I think he even won an Oscar at one point, but for what he won, I. Can't, I don't know off the top of my head, but, but, uh, yeah, he's a major force. It just, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, if I had to guess about how this movie was made, I think that De Palma and David Kep got together, um, you know, had some drinks, uh, maybe did some other, terrific, uh, maybe had some other substances, came up with the opening scene and then just said, we're going to shoot the opening scene and just see where the movie takes us. And it, the movie takes them nowhere. I agree. It's just, uh, it's. It was pretty clear why, going back, you know, first I watched the trailer and then watched the movie. Oh, I haven't seen the trailer. Having seen the trailer, I remember why I didn't watch to go see this back then. Because, <laughs> you know, back then we were yeah. seeing whatever it took. Right, yeah, we were seeing movies left and whatever. right. Whatever. Yeah. Right, right. If it had a pulse, we were seeing it. Yeah. And we did not see Snake Eyes. And I have to say, uh, earlier you said this is Cage turning it up to 11. Um, as Cage performances go... <laughs> Um, this is, uh, you know, on a ca- scale of one to 10, this might be an 11, but he's also capable of like a thousand, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah. There's some, uh, if you've ever hit, yeah. Uh, like, uh, vampires kiss or deadfall or, uh, other movies I can name, but, uh, this is, but certainly in the first 20 minutes of this movie, he is, it's particularly abrasive because it comes out of nowhere. You know, you're. You're just entering the theater. You just yeah. you got your popcorn still. Yeah. You haven't drank all your soda. Yeah. You don't even know what side you're going to put your soda on yet. <laughs> right. He's already and he's in already like, ah! Right. And uh, yeah, it, it does seem like they were, you know, the, the the direction was, okay, act like a 10-year-old who's been drinking Mountain Dew all weekend, you know? <laughs> yes. Um. So, uh, yeah, not a good movie. No. no. Um, not a good performance. Um, so, uh, yeah, but, uh, it's over now. Yeah. It's we can over move now. on for, for, yeah. The best thing I can say is, uh, it's behind us <laughs> on to the next, on to the next. Speaking of the next. Oh, and we do know what the next will be. In it's just time. Short... Yes, we will know. It's time to hit the button. Oh, great. Randomizer. Randomize for us. Be gentle. Lordy. Lordy. It looks like we have landed on. Ah. Okay. <laughs> You're going to be happy with this one. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 You're good. kind of a fan of the horror genre. Yeah. Some 1976 Grizzly. <laughs> Grizzly. 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 Okay. Probably about. I'm going to guess. A runaway bear. I think a pack of wolves probably. Are, are terrorizing a town. I have high hopes for this one. Okay. I've heard it um, described as a cult classic, which right, means okay. next to nothing. Uh, right, yeah. Um, I think Snake Eyes was a cult classic, too. <laughs> so, okay, 1976, Grizzly. <laughs> we have our orders. Tune in for that. Yes. Set your alarms and... Yes. Do what it takes. Be here or be square. If the randomizer is is good, why are we going to watch Grizzly? 
That's our. We're gonna have to make sense of that ourselves. The randomizer, yes, is not good. Don't say that. The randomizer is is perfectly good. We just so. have to understand its goodness. I think so it's up to us. The randomizer jumped out of a Ouija board. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hey, you know you're the reason. Your doubts are the reason we get movies like Grizzly. So. I, I think if you had a better attitude, I'm the about, randomizer. If there's something to like about Grizzly, I'm going to find it by gum. Uh, well, I think uh, you know uh, you, you need to be have a better attitude towards the randomizer, and then it would be it would be kinder to us. I could, but I'm getting jaded. <laughs> getting jaded. Right. So. I usually watch the random movie after our other movie, so uh-huh. it's sort of a. This time I went random first, so I watched Godzilla versus King Kong after oh, Snake okay. Eyes. Yeah. Which probably didn't help that movie in my mind. <laughs> You're still smarting. I just feel like uh, there's something sinister at heart, but I could be wrong. Stand uh, up! I, for... I have I have unlimited faith in the fundamental goodness of the randomizer. Stand up for it! I don't care. It's I think it's up to us to make sense of what it does. Somebody's got to stick up for it. I think it's a jerk. <laughs> Whoa! Quite I'm frankly, move away from you. Quite frankly. I think it's a jerk. I tell you what, maybe we should have each week two week two movies chosen by the randomizer, one for me and one for you. And right, because I don't want to have to suffer for your uh, for your bad attitude. Fair enough. Anyway, so, let's see what happens. Okay. Grizzly, folks. Grizzly. Grizzly, nineteen seventy six, and some other movie we come up with, and some other movie to be named later. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Okay, everybody. 